So if you would, turn in your Bibles uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And just as a reminder, again, we do have books available uh, for purchase. Uh, suggested donation, we're at $13, I think is what we were what we landed on. So um, if you haven't got one yet, I encourage you to do that. Um, it is, it's, a, it's a really great book. Uh, I think it's a, a timely message for us to just slow things down and, and just kind of prioritize uh, this time as we begin to, be, begin to fill our schedules back up uh, to spend time with God. And uh, we will continue this series for a, a few more weeks as we uh, are going through. Today's message is on the topic, and it's, it's, it's a topic that probably doesn't sell a whole lot of books or, or sell a whole lot of sermons, but it's the topic of suffering. And really, in our culture, suffering is not a, it's just not something you really talk about, is it, if we're honest? But the thing is, is I think all of us can probably attest to the fact that we suffer at times, don't we? It doesn't take much looking around to realize that there is suffering all around us. Uh, I look across at many of your faces and know some of your stories and realize that there uh, is suffering in this congregation, that people are carrying their burdens and working through difficult seasons of life. And so, again, I think it is a message that we need to hear and to embrace. Um, and it's an interesting approach as, as we, again, go through this book of an unhurried life. And the, the idea of, of this suffering is it's kind of a time when sort of we're, we're slowed down, maybe not by choice in a lot of, lot of ways. It kind of forces us, if you will, or causes us to have to slow down and turn to God. And so it's an un, unexpected unhurry that comes into our life. And so it's, it's a really interesting approach, and I'm, I'm excited to be able to share about that today. Um, but before I, before I begin here, let me go ahead and pray, and we'll, we'll jump in here. Heavenly Father, we uh, just come before you, and I thank you, God, so much for this opportunity. I thank you for this, this beautiful day, another day you've given us. Thank you that the fact we're able to gather again uh, together and just uh, see one another to be in your presence. Uh, God, I thank you that we have the freedom to gather together today on this day where, again, many places don't have that. And so, Lord, we're thankful for that. We're thankful that you are a God who is here in our midst. We're thankful that you are a God who is ever-present with us. And I just lift up each person here in person and all those watching online today. God, just the many scenarios and situations that are, are represented. Many people, again, Lord, are, are going through difficult seasons. And God, I just pray that you are just very close to them as your word promises. And God, that you're able to just use these times, uh, Lord, to work out uh, your glory and, and just to work out for the good, Lord, of you, your name. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me, let me read something, a question here, and I want to ask you if this sounds familiar. Does this sound familiar? How many, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody, and typically it's, it's a person maybe that doesn't believe in God, or maybe they're searching, and something along this line, see if this resonates with you. Maybe this question of, of how does a God who is all-loving and all-powerful stand by and allow evil and suffering to happen in the world. How many of you have been in a conversation? I, I distinctly remember many times, uh, one specific situation was while, while I was stationed in Korea, and I was talking to this guy, a friend of mine, who, who was not a believer. And we, we again, just got to open up one of those moments uh, where it just the conversation kind of went deep. And 
He, and th- it ended with this question here. He brought this question, you know, well, how, if God is so good and if God is so powerful, then why is there so much bad that happens in the world? Why does he just stand by and allow people to suffer? And if we're honest, you know, and if I, I'm honest, you know, I, I think we've all probably come to that question at times, haven't we? Where we see a situation or we experience a situation where God, why is this happening? This does not make sense. I do not see it. And so there's three kind of, you know, uh, pillars there or points. The first is that God is all powerful. So this idea, this, this uh, presupposition, as we would call it, that, that he can do whatever he pleases means that he could stop someone's suffering in our mind, right? He should be able to come in if he's all powerful. If he is all loving and he cares deeply for his creation, then if he truly loves us, why wouldn't he stop the pain? And the last uh, statement in that question is, is that evil is a reality. Evil is a reality. Suffering is a part of the human experience. No one denies this, I don't think. I don't think there's a single person that's walking on this earth that says, you know, I've never felt pain. (laughs) And that's the risk we run, isn't it? By staying engaged. If you are going, unless you like isolate yourself in a room and have no engagement with anyone and never do anything, you know, but then who knows, you know, something could fall from the sky and smash the room and then you're suffering. You know, we just, suffering has a way of crashing in, doesn't it? We can be at the top of the mountain, so to speak, and then in a moment, everything changes. This, this argument, if you will, or th- these questions have a title or a name, and it's called evidential, an evidential argument from evil. And this is kind of how a lot of people approach um, when, they, when they are atheists or don't believe, or this is, this is why I don't believe. In a, in a book entitled, Why Suffering? Finding Meaning and Comfort When Life Doesn't Make Sense, and it's by Ravi Zacharias and Vince Vital, and I would encourage you uh, to take a look at that. It would, it's, it's a great encouragement. But, but Ravi Zacharias kind of unpacks some of these questions, and if you've ever watched him or listened to him, he just has a, an amazing way. And again, he's passed away just recently, it was a great loss, but he has such an amazing way to unpack really complex things. And so he, he calls this a trilemma. And the logical conclusion, he says, is that one of these statements has to be untrue, right? If God is loving, if God is all powerful, and there's evil allowed in the world, something must not be right there. We, we must be off on something. And so, again, the question of evil and suffering existing, there really isn't a question. Again, we don't have to look far. But the first two, is God really all-powerful? Is he really loving? See, God is all-powerful and can do anything he pleases is a, seems like a pretty straightforward statement. And he poses a few questions and, you know, he says, but can God make a square circle? Or can God lie and say it's truth? So he's, he's, he's trying to present the picture or, or, how we can get ahead of ourselves and, and say, you know, again, yes, God is all powerful, but there are things in motion. There are things that happen. And so somehow, you know, especially for us as believers, there is an allowance of evil to happen, which produces suffering. And he calls it good. And he calls it good. And so we've got to kind of like, that's, that's hard. That's hard, isn't it? Right. To see suffering. Okay. Is good. Let's, let's unpack a little further. He goes on to say, if, if God is all loving, then why hasn't he removed the pain, which would seem to be the loving thing to do, correct? I mean, if you see your child with their hands stuck 
you know, in a door, you're not just going to stand there for a few minutes and say, you know, I think it's a good time to learn a lesson. I think your instant, any parent's instant reaction or any person for the most part would open the door, right? But is eliminating pain always the most loving thing to do? Take, for example, you know, when uh, I'll use a child again, you know, when the child scrapes his knee and you've got to clean it, right? How many of you have been in that situation? You know, this, this is only going to hurt me more than it hurts you, or this is only going to hurt for a minute, you know, and, but you've got to get in and clean that wound. Why? Because it will not heal properly and it will become infected and, and much more greater pain will come. And so it's almost, and hear me out, it's almost like you have to inflict that pain, but you know that it's for the good of the child, Right? That's why do we punish a child when they're disobedient? Whatever that looks like for you. Well, because we know that we have to do this because they, they, they need to learn. There has to be a consequence for a decision. And so again, sometimes pain is not bad. If you climbed up in this tree back here, and I hope you don't, if you can, actually, it'd be pretty impressive. But if you got in the tree and you fell out and you broke your arm, would, would that be painful? But if you didn't have that pain, how would you know that you're hurting or that, you, that something is damaged, right? You'd be walking around, your arms all dangling, but if you felt no pain, you would just have a funny handshake and, you know, it could flag down anybody from pretty far because your hand would be all over the place. It's pain is, a, is an indicator that something is wrong and that something needs to be fixed. So evil and suffering exist from the, the third point of this. And it affects us all. Again, no one would argue this. So we have to kind of come around to this, this idea that, so how can suffering then fit into God's plan? God is all-powerful. If he is all-loving, how does suffering and pain fit in? And again, I'm not going to continue reading the whole, not reading the book, but going through that chapter, I would encourage you to read the book, but Ravi brings it back around to the fact that we have to add in that God is all wise and some other things, but there is a way that we can make that statement that God is all powerful, all loving, all wise, and instead of why does evil exist, and evil does exist. Now this word suffering, in the New Testament alone, it shows up over 83 times, this idea of suffering. When we look at the life of Jesus, I think it's pretty safe to say that it was a life of suffering, not just at the very end, but even while he walked, he says he was a man of sorrows. He, he went through a lot in his, his time, in his short time on earth. Our salvation, our rescue came about only through suffering that Jesus bore for us, for you and for me. And then we come to uh, a scripture such as James, and don't worry, we will get to the, the Corinthians if you have your Bible open, but in, in James 1, very familiar scripture, probably not one that we read too often, but to count it all joy, my brothers, as it says in chapter, two, or chapter 1, verse 2, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kind, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but this, this passage is probably one of the most challenging passages for me, that those first few words, to count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds. 
I mean, if we're honest, and if I did a, a poll here and asked you to raise your hand, you know, how many could honestly say, yes, I am struggling right now. I'm going through difficulty. It is so painful, and I just count it all joy. I don't know that we can always say that. I think we, we can come to that place. I think that sometimes even maybe on the other side, when we look back, like, I see what God was doing, but if we're honest, I mean, do we really count it all joy when we fall into these difficult seasons? Psalm 34, and, you know, another encouraging verse, you know, in some way, it says, Psalm 34, 19, it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. And then it goes on, it says, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So there's not a, a bypass of pain and suffering we hold true and, and hold fast to the promise that the Lord says that he will deliver us out of them all. But we cannot sidestep or skip over the pain or the suffering. It's, it's impossible. The Bible categorizes human suffering into five uh, different categories, categorizes into categories. I don't know how else to say that, so... The first is the result of human sin. So we, we see suffering really very evident once Adam and Eve made that bad decision, right? Once they went for the apple or the fruit or whatever it was, sin and death entered the world. And so, again, there are some aspects of suffering that just simply result from human sin and, you know, our sin. Again, in an audience this size and especially with the online audience as well, I'm sure that there are some things that we've done in our life that were not necessarily right and that have caused some suffering. Sometimes, maybe oftentimes, we bring suffering on ourselves because of our decisions. Another category that we find in Scripture that, uh, of suffer, human suffering is that it's caused by evil forces at work. Again, we are, you know, we are, as the Scripture says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There are spiritual forces at work. And we see this throughout the Gospels, for example, as Jesus walked the earth. And in Acts, we see where he was casting out demons, where he was engaging with spiritual forces, where people were suffering and being tormented by the enemy. There's another category that's called the mystery of suffering. And this is where kind of Job would fall into, right? Here's Job, a righteous man living you know, the way he should, and yet he goes through this horrible, horrible loss, this time of loss and suffering. And sometimes, and maybe you can attest to this, sometimes in life, some things happen and there's just not an explanation. You see a, a small child, you know, I, I know many of you probably can share this story. We've, we've lost a child that, you know, my wife was five months pregnant and we lost a child and it's hard to explain that. That's not one of the things you can just check the box, is it? Like, oh, that's just part of suffering, part of life. No, it's like, God, I don't, I don't quite understand. But we still have an opportunity to trust him. Another category is lament. And this is where it, it sorry, it moves the focus from the why to the how in order so that to move forward, right? Instead of focusing on why did this happen, um, it's, it's, it's how, how do we now process the fact that this has happened? 
it's okay to, I mean, you're going to ask questions naturally, why? But then we've got to shift to the how. And so we see this throughout scripture that there's times of lament as we, we learn to walk through suffering. And then there's a fifth category, and this is what I, I want us to unpack a bit more today for the rest of our time, is that suffering, there's a suffering that leads to the greater good, both individual and in others. And this would be an example, this would be Joseph in the Bible, right? Joseph goes through a tremendous amount of suffering. You know, his brothers were evil. They threw him into a pit, sold him into slavery, went through really bad times. We just get to flip a couple pages. Joseph had to, had to live years of his life, but things were happening. God was preparing him through that time of suffering to then be promoted to the second highest in all of Egypt and ultimately as the salvation for the Israelite, for Israel, for the people, for his family. So God had a plan, and, and so we see that with Joseph. Have, have any of you ever watched on, on television? It's something that always intrigues me. Uh, this, these like extreme like motorcycle jumping sports, right? Have you, have you seen that before? Like these guys in these arenas, you know, jump, and they're just like six stories or something in the air, like doing flips and everything else. And I don't know about you, but something I always come back to is like, how in the world do you practice that? You know, like, how do you, how do you try to do that without like killing yourself? I mean, imagine getting on a motorcycle and like, yeah, I think I'm going to go jump off from that roof to this roof over here. And I'm just going to give it a shot today and see how it goes. Like, you know, it's, it's just fascinating to me. Like you're either borderline probably crazy, but also like, wow, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. But I think it's safe to say, and I've known some guys that even just do motocross and stuff like that. Most of them have some broken bones that, you know, that, yeah, I shattered my knee in five places and my foot this other time. My, look, my finger can do this. And they bend it like sideways. It's, they've gone through a lot of pain and suffering, haven't they, to be able to do what we see and we cheer for. And so that's kind of, you know, Dell's, Pastor Dell's version of how this works or how I process it. But it makes me think of this, this question is, is it possible that there are character lessons that are only learned in adversity and suffering that could not otherwise be learned in any other way? Are there things in us that only can come about through going through some pain? Like those motorcycles through the sky. They had to go through pain. We get to see the product of that, but they had to go through some pain. And so what if there are some things that only come about through suffering. Two words that come to mind are, are waiting and patience. Waiting and patience. And we've talked about this throughout this series, this idea of slowing down and being patient and, and waiting on the Lord. And the essence of patience is waiting, isn't it? Yeah? Depending on what your patience looks like, I guess. But usually with patience, it's waiting. You know, love is patient. To be patient with somebody, whether it's teaching a child how to ride a bike or you know, someone how to cook or whatever it is, you have to be patient with that person. And it's, 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 it's waiting for that person to get it. And so patiently waiting in optimal circumstances is one thing. <laughs> waiting for a child to, you know, figure out their ABCs or something like that, that's, that's one thing. But what about when it's waiting through times of suffering? Waiting through times of suffering. 
Isn't our instinct, isn't our natural response when suffering comes is how, what is the quickest way to, to resolve the suffering, to get rid of the suffering? How many times do we dial in and focus on, I need to fix this so that the suffering stops? But a lot of times it turns into, you know, when like a water pipe breaks in your house or something and you just got to do a quick fix on it, right? Which kind of works for a moment, but it's not going to last. And it's not getting to the root of the problem, is it? Getting to the root comes through persevering and being patient and, and, and working through the pain and the suffering. And so the, the title in the, in the, or the chapter in the book is chapter eight, and, and it's, uh, it's called Unexpected Unhurrying. And again, this was a very intriguing approach for me when it comes to the idea of suffering. Unexpected unhurry. So out of nowhere, we have this moment where we're slowed down and we can unhurry. Many of us probably feel like that, or at least we did. Maybe we're starting to get back into some rhythm now, but we had an unexpected unhurry happen, didn't we? When everything just kind of shut down all of a sudden. And so a quote from the book that uh, just really stood out to me Uh, The author, Alan Fadling, he's talking of his wife, and it said that in that time of her being Jem, his wife, of her intense suffering, she was having some physical ailments that were, were hindering her. He says this, he says, we didn't care much about a biblical explanation of what was happening and why. Listen to this, he says, the pace of pain became for us the pace of God's love and grace. We discovered that what we wanted most was to know that God was with us. I want to take two of those sentences there. The pace of pain became the pace of God's love and grace. It's an interesting statement, isn't it? That in that moment of pain, it became the pace of God's love and grace. And so we see in this situation with them and and many of us too, when suffering comes, there's a change of pace. In the military, you know, they they teach you first to march and you got to be in formation and columns and rows and somebody and how you all take the same step at the same time. And then they get really complicated and you actually have to run in formation, which again, it's, it's not, I remember many morning runs, you know, you've got literally probably like hundreds of people running in formation. And, but what we would do, though, is the, the slowest person would always be up front <laughs> in the front corner, and they would set the pace, which was fine with me because I typically wasn't the slowest person, but I'm like, get the slowest person up there because it's, it's a little easier in the back that way. But we would do that because that person would set our pace. There was definitely a change of pace. And in these huge formations, I mean, I can't even, it's like blocks, like the whole base was doing like this huge run. And you would have the front, you couldn't see the front. You didn't know where the front was. All you knew was like the pace. And sometimes, you know, maybe there was uh, uh, something they had to go around or they had to slow down for a reason. Well, guess what? That's translated all the way back and pretty soon there was a change of pace. Now, I could have continued at my same pace, but I would have run up the back of the person in front of me and then it would have been a whole mess and they probably wouldn't have appreciated that. But it's being sensitive to the fact that, hey, to recognize there is a change of pace and to, to, to go along with that, to recognize, hey, something is changing, shifting. And so again, this pace of pain, it's, it's, it's to recognize that God is, 
something's shifting and we need to slow down and look. We slow down and become alert to what God is doing. And I'm here to say, I, I, I don't, by no way, imperfected this at all. But I think when these moments come in our life, do we slow down and say, God, what are you doing right now? God, how are you working? How are you moving? What are you trying to do in me? And what are you trying to do in this situation and others around me? And I think if we're honest, I know for myself, I'll speak for me. So I'll just point to me because I know none of you would fall into this. But, you know, again, we just focus on the problem, don't we? Resolve the problem now. <laughs> Instead of, God, where are you in this? Where, where are you working? What are you doing? What, what, do you, what are you trying to perfect in here during this time? I heard it said once, I think it was by John Piper, he said this, and it stuck with me, like, because we, we had a lot of hard times in Kuwait, and it was during one of those really dark seasons, and it was just like, he said, don't, when, things, when bad things happen, when you go through these struggles and these trials, he said this, he said, don't waste your pain. Don't waste your pain. If you're going to be in that situation, if you're going to be uh, just being kind of crushed, if you will, and in that moment, don't waste it but instead allow God to do what he's wanting to work in you. Don't waste it. If you're going to have the pain, let there be a result. The second sentence from this quote from the book, what we wanted most was to know that God was with us. That's powerful. To know that God was with us. So we had a change of pace, and this is a change of perspective, isn't it? Instead of focusing so much on the problem, simply to know that God is with us makes all the difference in the world. And I believe that's for somebody here today or somebody watching online, that you need to be reminded that God is still with you. That perhaps you've been going through something for a long season and you feel like you've been abandoned. Maybe your, your prayer time has gone quiet. Maybe you're struggling to just even make it through the day but you need to be reminded that God is with you and to focus in on him more than your problem. It doesn't mean that we stick our head in the sand or just ignore what's going on or, or be irresponsible, but remember the God that you serve. Remember that he is in control. And so coming to the, the, the section of scripture I wanna to come to today from 2 Corinthians this is probably my top scripture passage, if, if not the top five for sure. It says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And listen to verse 17. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Notice the contrast of it's a light momentary affliction versus uh, this light versus weight, right? It's, it's like counter to each other. You have momentary versus an eternal weight of glory, this momentary affliction. So it's very short compared to the eternal weight of glory, It's about perspective. It's about seeing God is working in us things that we, we don't even fully understand at the time. 
but it's because he loves us. It's because he loves us. In Colossians 1.24, it says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. So again, we see Paul writing, he rejoices in his sufferings, and that he's filling up what is lacking through Christ's afflictions, through his suffering. There is something there are something that, some things that can only come about through suffering. And doesn't mean, now again, it <laughs> doesn't mean you go out and like, how can I just suffer more in life? You know, things are going really well. I need to just figure out, um, let's just sell everything, give all our stuff away and, you know, just go live in the Middle East somewhere or something. I, I'm not saying to do that, what I, but what I am saying, again, <laughs> We, we all experience suffering, so it doesn't matter our circumstances, but what is God calling you to do? What is God calling you to walk away from? Now, we'll say if God has told you or you believe God's leading you to walk away, you, you, it's best to be obedient to that. But again, not to just simply be directed through life by, well, that could hurt, so I don't want to do that or that. No, what has God called you to? Do you guys remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Yeah, from the Old Testament. Did they have, did they, were they able to bypass the fire? <laughs> nope. Was the Lord present with them through it? Did they see the other side of it? Yep. But they weren't able to go around it, were they? I mean, just think about it. It, it could have gone very different. God, God could have worked it out so that, nah, they stood up, they stood their ground, they did their thing, you know, professed them, they wouldn't bow down. Okay, good. You you win. I, I'm gonna let the king know to let, you know promote you and stuff like that. But no, God had a plan, and it was to promote who God was, right, and the power of God, their God that they served. And so they had to go through the fire. So what does suffering that leads to the greater good look like? It takes many many shapes and forms, but here are a few things. Sometimes. In our life, we come through dry, to dry seasons, don't we? Like, I'm just talking about now, maybe you haven't, maybe there's nothing like catastrophic, but maybe you're just in a place of, of dryness right now. The, the things dry up, and, and what happens when things dry up? It, it exposes things that were once hidden, doesn't it? I don't know if you guys have ever watched on Discovery, you know, Drain the Ocean. That's really intriguing to me, where they, if you haven't seen it, it's where they put these cameras in the water and they take all this data from the ocean floor, and then they do this computer animated generated thing, and it actually takes the water away, and so they can study, you know, like ruins and things like that in the in the bottom of the ocean. It's pretty fascinating, but it's it's there's something to to drying things up, to exposing things, and that's the idea. You know, when we go through dry seasons, it really kind of brings things up in us, doesn't it? When we go through times when things aren't really going the way we want it to, or when you know, like, God, what's going on? And you just feel like God is far away. It exposes things in our heart. Oftentimes through prayer and fasting during these seasons of dryness, it, it can be difficult. It can be challenging. But at the same time, I've found so many times where if you persevere, and that's what God's looking for us, right? Looking from us is for us to persevere through these times. 
you know, when you try to first lift something heavy, you may be able to lift it once. But the more you persevere and you work at it and you work at it, you're, you're able to lift and persevere through many more things and many more t- lifts, if you will. So persevering or, or suffering through dry seasons of life, and it, and it does require us to go deeper, doesn't it? It's like, I mean, I don't know if you all eat food out of a, a baby, you know, container. I actually, when I was working out really heavy, my friend who's a weightlifter, he would do that, actually. That was part of his diet for whatever reason. And uh, he would eat baby food. And this was the funniest thing to see this big grown man with this little jar of smushed peas, you know, eating. And uh, I tried it a few times and they're not that bad, actually. But it, it's just strange, but it's God is looking for more than just us eating out of baby jars. All right. Dry seasons. Another season of suffering that leads to the greater good is pruning. Pruning. Any gardeners here? Anybody that knows? Okay. So a few. Um, there's, there's really something to be said about pruning, isn't there? It's, it's like it goes against what you see. You can have this huge bush or tree or this fruit plant, whatever, and it can, be, it can have leaves and everything, but it has very little fruit. And if you prune it back, what does that do? It, it produces new growth, doesn't it? It becomes more fruitful. And so there are seasons of pruning that we go through. And we are really being prepared during those times to experience a fruitful yield on the other side of it, aren't we? But the pruning hurts. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. Maybe you're in a season of suffering and maybe God is pruning you to be more fruitful on the other side. And the question is, will you allow him to do what only he can do? And so our response From John 15, if, if you've read that before, where it talks about the vine and the branches, we're told in 15 verse 4 and 5, it says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. What's really fun in that chapter 15, go through there sometime and circle the word abide and see how many abides are there. There's a ton. It's, it's, this is the theme of this. And what happens, and I want, I want to just touch on something that's very important because so many people fall into this. I mean, and maybe you've de- dealt with this. Maybe you've heard about it from other people, but there are times in our, our life when these, these seasons come of struggle, of suffering, when we... We, we blame God, don't we? I mean, if we're honest, let's be honest, right? Let's be real. I've, I've been there. We blame God. And so what happens, it's much like, again, I keep using this parent illustration, but that's what I know. I'm parenting right now. So, um, you know, when you discipline your child, it's always interesting to see. And for most of the time, my kids were like this. Even after I disciplined them, they would... Oftentimes, I mean, my hope was they would turn and they, I, I would try to give them a hug, but sometimes they didn't want anything to do with me because I was to them the source of their pain. But the very person they needed to come to, the very person they needed to be with and be in relationship with was, was me. And so with God, when we blame God, it's our tendency to move away when, we've, when we're suffering, when we blame God and we see him as our source of pain. But in this pruning process, if he's pruning us, then he is in one sense. But like that parent, you know, cleaning the wound of their child, it's for a purpose. And don't ever doubt that. And we are called to abide. And 
That word abide in one definition, it means to withstand the consequences of, meaning to stay engaged no matter what happens. We want to stay connected to the vine, to Jesus. But with our decisions, there, there are consequences at times. And we went through seasons in, in Kuwait where we, made some, we had to make some hard decisions. And it wasn't always like clear, black or white. And good or bad, we had to kind of take on the, the consequences of those decisions. Not that they were wrong decisions. It's just when that comes, what comes, it's because we decided. So the question, as the musicians come, is will we keep abiding in the one who has allowed us to experience what we perceive as loss and who uses our time of loss as pruning places in our lives? Will we stay engaged? Will we stay connected? Will we abide? As we wind things down here, I just want to just take a moment as your pastor and just recognize the fact that, again, there's, there's a lot of pain in, in our body, in our congregation. There's a lot of suffering that's happening. And I, just, I stand here today as somebody who goes through it with you. I mean, you don't, you don't be a pastor if you can't understand and relate to people. And so when I say that I feel your pain or I understand it, and walk through my own pain as well, I mean that. But my encouragement to you today is one that we got to recognize that God is with us, that God is in control, and that God sees what's best for his body and for his people. And if you are here today, and maybe you know, you, you've made the right decisions, maybe you've lived a life that's edifying to God, and you're, you're walking things out the right way, yet trial and struggle has just come crashing in. Suffering has come crashing in. I want to encourage you today to press into God, to look into his word, to make these moments, as, as the, the book titles of this chapter, Unexpected Unhurry. Maybe God has slowed you down for a reason. And here's the deal. Let, let me just say this. As a, as a culture, as a Western culture, an American culture, we don't like to slow down, do we? Because what happens when we slow down? When we slow down, we have to sort of stop and take a look at what's here, what's looking at us in the mirror. It's a lot easier to put our source of pain out there. But when we have things that we need to deal with in our own lives that, you know, if I just stay busy enough, I don't have to stop. And listen, you can even be doing good things. There's so many people that just stay active and do great things but not every good thing is a God thing, right? Not every good thing is a God thing. So my question to you today is, what is God saying to you today? What is God wanting to work out in your life today, in this time, in this moment? And I know God speaks to you. I know it. You know it. We may dismiss it really quick, but we know it. And the good news is God will pursue you. 
God will be patient with you because he loves you. But I just want to challenge us today, church, to embrace suffering. Jesus was perfect in every single way, every single decision, every single step, and it led him to a cross. You understand that? It led him to the cross. So just because you're hurting today and suffering doesn't mean you're, you're doing something wrong. In fact, a lot of times it might be doing something right. And so I want to encourage you today with the fact that Jesus loves you, he's with you, and God is working things out in you that hold an eternal weight of glory because there's a perspective that we have that is very temporal and very now. But remember that everything God does, he sees from an eternal perspective. And that's what matters most. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for this, this message. It's, it's a hard message. We recognize that. I recognize that. And it's, it's just hard, Lord, to, to say, yeah, I accept suffering and, and I, I embrace it. God, we need your help. We need you. We need you, Lord, to, to show us how to walk these times out, how to, to walk through these times of challenge and uncertainty. God, I lift up each and every person here, both present and online right now, who are in a season of suffering. And for those, Lord, who aren't really experiencing that right now, Lord God, we know it's only a matter of time before things can change. And so, God, I pray that as a church body, we would come to the place where we choose to stay plugged into you, where we choose to press into you when things happen, when trials come and struggles come, that just like in James, what it says that we can truly count it all joy. God, let us come to a place where we can truly say that from the depths of our heart and mean it, that we count it all joy because in these moments, you are working things out in us and through us for your glory. Lord, for those who are here now and watching, Lord, that are in seasons maybe that they just don't understand why, that there's those questions. God, I pray that they're reminded that while it's not okay to question God, it is okay to bring our questions to God, to bring our questions to you. Say, Lord, I don't understand, but at the end of it all, I choose to trust you because I know that you are good and that you are loving. So Lord, I pray again, just that each of us here today would be encouraged, not by what we see, but by whom we serve. Change our perspective today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.